The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. during worship this isn't this isn't my first time here have a seat everyone have a seat have a seat this isn't my first time here and let me let me say you still look good you still look good right you can turn to your name and say you look good amen but during worship um <laughs> during worship i got a word i think for the church pastor and he spoke this scripture to me in isaiah 61 and let me tell you this this church this is the smallest this church is ever going to be this church is, is built on an excellent spirit. It's built on an excellent spirit. You're not here by accident. You're here by design. Amen. And if you walked in here, it's because God needs you to be here and you're blessed. Look at this. Isaiah, this is Isaiah 60 and 61, 60 verse 22. It says, a, what, a little one shall become a thousand, a small one a strong nation, and I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. This is the smallest, mark my day, this is the smallest this church is ever going to be. Amen? He says in, in 60 verse 4, they shall build the old ruins, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities and the desolations of many generations. I believe this church is anointed to build up the waste places, the desolation, and change generations to come. So we see generational health generational wealth, generational blessing, generational deliverance, generational forgiveness. Amen? It's going down. What, what happens here today is here for a generation. You know, sometimes we come and we think it's just about us, right? But God has something bigger for you than you can even see right now. Amen? This, this, it starts with you. Say, it starts with me. Amen, right? God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> Amen. All right. So that was just a little something. The Lord spoke to me in worship. But praise God. I, I feel like God gave me a message for you guys today. And um, it's called Mind Your Thinking. Mind Your Thinking. You know, my mom, um, I'm from England, right? And I've lived in America 12 years. That's why I sound funny. Um, but, but my mom, when I was growing up, <laughs> she'd always say to me, if, especially if I went to somebody else's house, you'll be careful, right? In somebody else's house. You mind your manners, right? Right. If you're raised right, when you go around somebody else's house, you say you say your p's and q's, your pleases and your thank yous, right? And you you pronounce all your words correctly, and you and you say please and thank you. You open the door for people. You make sure you thank them. Then when you when you eat, when you leave, right? You be polite. You know you represent the family well, right? You mind your manners. And so it was drummed into us as children. And, you know, the first thing when we went out the door, my mum would say, mind your manners. And we knew exactly what she meant. And then when she picked us up or when we came home, she says, were you polite? Did you mind your manners? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and then she'd ask my, the, the mother or the friend, did she? Did she? Because I'll beat her if I need to. <laughs> you know, it was fine. It was fine. But, you know, there's something more important even than minding our manners. And it's minding our thinking. It's minding our thinking. You know, Proverbs 23, let's just go there real quick. We're going to get in the word today. Amen. Because he sent his word and healed you. He sent his truth and delivered you. The truth will set you free. Right? If 
But if only the truth that we know can set us free. If we don't know, it's not going to help us. I need to, I need to drink more coffee because I'm in Psalms and not in Proverbs. Hang on a second. Right. You, gotta, you know, those moments, you can't have church services too early because then the BC, before coffee, right? And it just doesn't come out right. Okay. So, <laughs> hallelujah. I think coffee is a gift from God. Right. It's a basic necessity in our house. Okay, Proverbs 20, um, 23 has lots of wisdom in it. It's a book of, book of wisdom. But in verse 7, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As we think in our heart. So where do we think? In our heart. You know, in the scripture, when you see the word heart, it can be translated mind as well. They're used interchangeably. Mind, will, and emotions. You know, we have our brain, our thinking. We have our heart. It's used interchangeably in the scriptures. But, you know, the way we think just doesn't come from our intellect. It comes from, it comes right deep on the inside of us. It comes from our heart. And as we think in our heart, we'll direct the course of our life. You know, as we think drives our feelings, it drives our emotions, and that then drives our actions, right? I mean, I know that not all of you are always saved, okay? And most of you are way too spiritual, but I didn't get born again until I was 17, okay? So I watched my fair share of scary movies before I was 17. I wouldn't recommend it, okay? Because, because fear will motivate you, but it's a horrible motivator. It involves torment. But, ha- but, but if you've ever seen a scary movie, I'm not going to get you to confess, okay? But there's forgiveness for you too, all right? But if you've ever seen a scary movie or, or a sad movie, you'll know as you're watching that movie, you start to relate to the people that are in that movie, right? You st- you, and you know they're actors. They're in Hollywood or wherever, and they're, they're, not, you know, they're not really being chased down the street. You know, they, go, they get paid very well. Then they go back to their little accommodation, and they get their makeup done, and, you know, they're, they're fine. They're all good. No one was really hurt in the making of the movie. But as you're watching the movie, in your heart, in your mind, in your thinking, is you start imagining yourself be in the position of that person. You start imagining, what would it be like if I was the one being chased down the street, right? You start to relate. And what happens to your heart? Right? It start, you start to engage. Your body starts to engage with what you're thinking upon, right? And then you start to, you know, you start to behave differently, Okay, so you, even after you've turned the movie on or, or off, right, you, or you go home from the movie theater or whatever, you go home and then you start checking the windows and doors, turning on all the lights, looking under the bed for the boogeyman, right? You know he's not real, but you know, it's irrational. But we are moved at a heart level, okay, by what we see and our thoughts will drive our feelings and our feelings will drive our actions and emotions. And that's why it's so important for us to mind our thinking because as we think in our heart, so is he. I'll give you an example here. If we start, if may, and maybe um, I've, got a, I've got a whole testament. I'm not going to have time to tell it today. But if you've come from a place of trauma, of fear, of pain, of hurt, of rejection, of abandonment, of all those things, you're going if, if to, I mean, it's a natural part of human thinking for those things not just to happen on the outside of you, but they get on the inside of you. Is Jesus calling? Do we need to answer him? Okay. But those things will start to get on the inside of us. And they'll start to affect how we see ourselves long after the trauma or the incident has passed. Right? And that's why you get people that are living in depression. They're living in fear. They're living in anxiety, in hopelessness. And they'll try to medicate the pain. 
right? If they don't have God, they'll try to medicate the pain to escape the pain with something, alcohol or drugs or, or whatever, to get rid of the pain. Because the pain, even though it's in the past, it got on the inside of them, right? And so we, you know, it, it, it'll, it'll affect our thinking to the point where people become victims and then they live in a victim mentality, Right? Even though they're now they're not victims anymore. That, that incident passed, the person went to prison, it could have been years ago, whatever. They are still victims where? In their thinking. Okay? And, you know, we can see this with the, with the children of Israel. They came, they were, they were released from slavery. Right? You know, in the Old Testament and in, in Egypt, they were in bondage for, for, for generations. And Moses came and he set the people free. He set the people free. But what happened, they went out into the wilderness because God was trying to take them somewhere. He's like, listen, not only have I got deliverance for you, I've got a promised land. I've set it aside for you. It flows with milk and honey. This is going to be like so awesome. I've been planning this since before you were born. It's going to be great. And they're like, yay, let's go, Moses. And then they go. And then, then it's like, oh, but we haven't been here before. We don't, we don't know. And then, and then, you know, the fear of the unknown is real. Right, And even though they weren't slaves anymore, they were entering into or trying to enter into what God had for them, there was fear, there was worry, there was concern. Oh, we're going to starve out here. We're going to perish. At least back in Egypt, when we were slaves, we had food, right? But now we don't have anything. We don't know how this works. Ah, Right? They don't know how to behave. And then they start moaning and complaining. You see, the problem was they had been released from slavery, but the slave mentality was in their thinking. They were still captives in their mind. And there are many Christians I see like this today because we haven't changed our thinking and we still think like we did before we got saved. Right? And the problem with this, with the, with the children of Israel, is they could not enter the promised land because they couldn't change their thinking. They took them a whole nother. Who wants to do another 40 years in the wilderness? Any takers? Right? No. Right? I don't know about you, but I want to receive everything God has for me. Yeah. Everything. I don't want to, I don't mean, I'm not going to get depressed when I get to heaven. No one's going to be sad in heaven. But you know what I mean? I don't want to get there and think, oh man, I wish. I shoulda, woulda, coulda, right? I shoulda, woulda done this. I shoulda, I coulda done that. I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I've just decided, I'm not going to live my life in regret. I'm not going to let fear and anxiety and slave mentality and victim thinking keep me in the place of suffering that God has delivered me from. Amen? God has good things for us. You know, I heard a man one time, and here's the, here's the thing. You know, the, the things in the past, will, will um, the tradi- even the traditions of men. So maybe you haven't, you haven't come from necessarily a, a traumatic background, but maybe you've come from a background that has a very strong culture. Right, a, 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 a culture of you got to behave a certain way, you got to you got to um, have um, certain rituals, or you got to have you have a certain belief system. In, you know, in the in the world, we'd call that a philosophy. It's a, a way, a mindset of thinking. Right? Everyone has philosophies, but what we need to have is their scriptural philosophy. And so, it doesn't really matter. You know, I've, I, I moved from the United Kingdom to the United States, and they, for the most part, speak the same language, okay? For the most part. I have gotten in trouble preaching, though. When you say a word, which is fine to say in England, and then you say it in America, and all the air gets sucked out the room, like, and you can hear it, and they're like, ah, I've said one of those words again, haven't I? I don't know what it is. I know I've said something I shouldn't have said, right? Help me, Jesus. 
But but for the most part, it, it's it's um, the same language, and there's lots of similarities. But the culture is very different. It's a very different culture. And um, how many people here are not were not from South Africa? You're from somewhere else, from a different from a di- So we got a lot. We got a lot of a lot of immigrants here. So you get what I'm talking about, right? Now, if you keep trying whilst whilst in a, in the new in, in South Africa, or for me when I was in America, living exactly the same way. The, the way wherever you came from, you're going to find yourself frustrated, right? You know, it, when in Rome, we need to act, act like Romans, right? That's not, that's not meaning that we're going to forget where we came from, that we're going to honor where we came from. But we have to change our mindset in the new kingdom, right? You know, in, in America, if I decided that I wanted to um, drive on the same side of the road that, that they drive on in England, they drive here, I would have a horrible accident, my husband tried this once, okay? He's in America, and he, and he made a turn, and there, for some reason, you can turn right at a, at a red light, a traffic light robot. You call them robots here? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'd, anyway, so at a robot, you're going you're gonna to turn right. I'm like, for us, like, you don't do that. You, I mean, you're going to get arrested. You can't, red light means stop. But anyway, they have different traffic rules. So he, so he turns around the corner, and he didn't realize that he's, in a, he's now in a one-way street going the wrong way. Okay, and so and it's one of those like dual carriageways where there's four lanes of traffic. Okay, so he's driving down these the wrong way down a four lane highway, and he's got four cars coming towards him, and he's sitting there thinking, "What are these four stupid people doing, <laughs> driving the wrong way?" <laughs> and then suddenly he had a revelation. It was him. And they started waving and making all gestures, you know, welcoming him to America. I'm sure. You know, <laughs> he was telling, here's, here's the Hawaiian good luck wave is what we call it. He's, the, he's number one. Yes, um, it, was, it, was, it was bad. But, but you know, and if you, st- if, in, if you bring your money, if you bring your currency from one kingdom to another kingdom, your money's not going to work there. It's good money. Right? There's nothing wrong with it, but it's just not going to work because it's not the currency of the kingdom. You know, we have a currency in this kingdom. The currency of the kingdom of God is called faith. Amen? We've been talking, ladies, we've been talking a lot about faith this weekend. But we have to adapt. We have to change. You know, in Mark, let's look at something here. In Mark 7, Mark seven thirteen. looking Bookmarks would have been good. Okay. My husband makes fun of me because he uses a digital doofer for his Bible. But I'm like, listen, my Bible doesn't need charging, right? It never crashes. Amen. It's always on. It goes in my outfit. If you're going to stand on the Word of God, then make sure you have a big one, right? <laughs> but here, here it is in... in um, in Mark uh, seven thirteen, it says, "Making the word of God of no effect through the, your traditions or your traditions of men, which you've been delivered from." The traditions of man make the word of God of no effect. The word of God of no effect. And if we are so attached to where we've come from, our traditions, our rituals, the way that we were raised, you know, and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be bad, right? But if it's not good. If it's not God, it's not good, right? Do we want God's principles to be working in our life? Yeah. Do we want to be the people that go into the promised land that don't have to do another 40 years in the wilderness, 
right? Do we want to be among the, among the people, the generations that move into the promised land where there's generational blessing, where there's generational wealth, where there's generational freedom and health, amen, and peace and safety and security and favor, amen? amen. Do we want to be that generation? Yes, we do, right? Then it means that we need to, we need to change our mindset until we, wrap, we get it wrapped around a kingdom way of thinking, a kingdom way of thinking. And we need to understand what the kingdom way of thinking is. You know, in Hebrews 4 verse 2, it says, The word of God did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. See, you can know the word of God. You can know the word of God, right? But if you don't mix it with faith, it's going to stay on the page. We need to respond to what the word of God is telling us. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Some of us are not seeing the fruit of God's word in our life because we haven't yet mixed it with faith. There is an action piece of this that we need to put into place. Amen? Amen. And, and, and I, I feel real strongly about this today, but we need to not settle for less. We need to not settle for less because God has called us in the kingdom, in, with kingdom principles to, to a life that's way better than where we're living right now. It is. But what's hindering us from stepping into that, it's not God. God's not holding back on us. Amen. He's a good God and he has good gifts and he only gives good gifts to his kids. Amen. But sometimes it's our own thinking, our slave mentality that's hindering us from stepping into those things. You know, I was running, I used to run, um, how many of you have heard of Andrew Womack? You heard of him? Some of you have? Yeah. So um, we went to his Bible college and then we, we were hired on staff working for his, his big ministry in America, and, uh, and I was his conference manager. So I'd manage all of his conferences all, all, all over the world in the U.S., and uh, we had 170-something different events, different major conferences every year. Well, this one conference we had one, once, and it sticks in my mind because Andrew used an example, and I saw the example play out, okay? He was talking about, about mixture, right, about being single-minded, about being focused only on the Word of God. This is, this is really important because if we want to enter into the promised land, it means we've got to have the word of God way of thinking, right? And so it was all men there. And, you know, men's conferences is all really about eating. Can I get an amen? Okay? We like the word, but you can't, you know, you can't live by bread alone. You know, there's got to be snacks. Lots of snacks. And, uh, and so after the sessions... The men would come out and we'd have all the tables laid out with, you know, all kinds of snacks and dips and, and, and meat. And, you know, there was, and, and we were, they were really excited about this because there was like a mountain. It's like a mountain of chocolate brownie cake. Okay, cut into little squares. Chocolate, really deep, spongy, moist brownies. A little bit crusty on the top. Come on, I know it, right? Hallelujah. And they, they were cut into little squares. And, they'd been, and the ladies had been, you know, doing this, not the men. But so they were all nicely arranged. The men would have just thrown them on the plate, you know. But they were nicely arranged in like little pyramid transform, you know, and decorated with little raspberries. I mean, it looked really nice, okay, for the men to come and devour like locusts. <laughs> Gone. And, um, and so Andrew finished speaking. And, but we didn't realize at the time that he'd given an example, because we weren't in there, we were busy outside. And so the men come out, we know, we know that we were, we were placing bets on how long those brownies were going to last, right? Let me tell you, the men came out, and, and they went through, and, and, and I washed them. One by the one, they looked at the brownie, went, mm. like, wow. Every, mm, no. I thought, 
Man, they must have been like exercising self-control or something. I don't know what he's preaching on in there. And the brownies didn't get touched. And I'm like, this, this is like an act of God or something, right? Some, there's, a, there's a miracle, right? And we, went, we were happy because like we get to eat it afterwards, but they don't eat. So it was fine. But then we, when we listened to the tapes afterwards and we realized he'd given this example about being single-minded about the word of God and not, tolo, not letting the traditions of men make the word of God of no effect. He said, it's like this. If somebody makes a brownie mixture <laughs> and they bake a brownie and they tell you, you know, they, they put just a lot of bit, little bit of dog poop in the brownie. Right? And then they bake the brownies and they decorate the brownies and they lay them all out. And you've got to eat the brownies. And somebody says, oh, but isn't there dog poop in the brownies? And the person says, oh, but just a little bit of dog poop. Just a, just a trace. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't care how much dog poop is in that brownie. I'm not eating the brownie, right? And so this was playing on their mind. And <laughs> we saw the fruit of that, exa- that. That was an illustrated sermon right there. But it's the same with the Word of God. You see, many of us are so tied to our traditions or that the Word of God is becoming of no effect or that we're not responding if we're not mixing it with faith. In other words, we're not applying it to our life. We're just reading it, okay? We want the Word of God, but we aren't applying it. This is not a dictionary, right? We have to take it and use it. Use it. Not be hearers of the Word only, but be doers of the Word. Do it. You know, Jesus said many times, you know, my brothers and sisters are those that take the Word and do it. Take it and do it. There is a following. My sheep know my voice. They hear me, John ten twenty seven, but they also follow me. Many of us get stuck in the hearing, but we don't do the following, right? We want to go in the promised land. There's a process there, right? We need to, we need to receive it, but we need to put action to our faith. Otherwise, we're going to do another lap around the mountain. So we, we need to hear it, but we need to do it. We need to quit letting the, the traditions of men make the word of God of no effect, and then re, but also respond in faith, okay? But the other thing is, some of us are living our lives where we ha- and there's no condemnation here, okay? I just I want you to be set free in some things. I want you to be successful in everything God's called you to do, right? So unless somebody helps us to see some things in our life that we don't even know are there, how are we going to move past them? Amen. So this is this is just teaching training, right? Because because this is what pe- when people love each other, this is what they do. Amen. All right. And I'm leaving, and Pastor Tafar can fix it. Okay. Right. But some of us in our lives have a little mixture. We have a little mixture. We have 80% of Christianity and 20% of something else. Okay? Does God love you? Yes. Absolutely. Does he want the best for you? Yes. Absolutely. Does he want the best for your kids? Yes. Absolutely. Are his promises changed? No. It doesn't matter how we perform, right? Because our, our, God doesn't love us based on our performance, Right? But if we want to access all of the blessings of God and see the manifesting in our lives, sometimes we are our own worst enemies, right? And if, we, if we've come from a place where we settle for less than God's best or we settle for living in a place of mixture, we are going to struggle to enter the promised land. We're going to struggle. You know, when the, when the children of Israel finally went in the promised land, it wasn't just the unbelief that kept them out, okay? It was, the, it was the old mentality. It was everything that went with that. Their behavior, their thought patterns, their history, their, their behaviors, all of those things. The culture 
from which they had come was more real to them than the word that God was speaking to them. Doesn't mean the culture's bad, but the culture was more important to them than the word of God was. And it kept them out, right? And I mean, as, as important as it is to, to mind our manners, are we minding our thinking? Are we minding our thinking? And are we surrounding ourselves with people that are also minding their thinking? Okay? Do you remember Jesus? When he was praying for the blind man, he says he had to take the man out of the town. He couldn't do many mighty works in the town, but except heal a few people. Now, for us, we'd be thinking, well, that's a pretty good day, right? But he's like, no, he had miracles for everyone. He had miracles for everyone. But there's some people that find it hard to receive or wouldn't receive. Not because Jesus didn't have the power, right? Not because he was just having an off day. Not because he was in a bad mood or he was holding back from them. See, God doesn't hold back on us. He's good. He's always good. He's always love. But because of their thinking, because their thinking actually stopped them, their unbelief stopped them from receiving the blessing of Jesus, right? So if Jesus um, wasn't able to get past their thinking, then don't you think our thinking is going to hinder us too? If it hindered Jesus, it's going to hinder us too, right? Because God is a good God, but he's given us choice. He's, given, he's made us smart. He's made us intelligent. We have the mind of Christ, but sometimes we don't use it, <laughs> right? So he's not going to force us to get saved. He's not going to force us to get healed. He's not going to force us to receive blessing and prosperity, but we have a choice. He wants us desperately to be in relationship with him, right? But we still have a choice, don't we? We have a choice to respond, and that response is what we call faith. Is, what, is that point at which we put trusting, the word faith is pisteo in the Greek. It means to put, to be fully persuaded, to have trusting confidence. You know, if, if, if I came in and, you know, when you came in here, let me get, let's put it this way. When you came in here, you sat on a chair. You didn't even think about it, did you? You just sat on a chair. How did you know that that chair was going to hold you up? How did you know that it wasn't going to buckle under your weight? How did you know that all of the legs were attached and it was good, Right? Because you've had previous encounters with one of these chairs, some of you, right? Some of you have become very familiar with one of these chairs, right? So now you have some experience, you have some some knowledge, you have some experience, you can trust that chair, right? And it's kind of like this with, with our relationship with the Lord. The more time we spend in the Word of God is the truth that sets us free, right? The more time we spend in, in, in an intimate relationship with Jesus, the more easy it is for us to trust him. You know what? The chair doesn't change. The chair doesn't change. The chair doesn't, it's, it's not going it's, it's to grow an extra leg, right? It's not going to change shape. It's not going to change form. It doesn't, it's not going to change if you don't like the chair. The chair doesn't care about your feelings, okay? The chair's nature and structure are set, and they're, they're not, they're not going to move. They're always going to be there. Right? And God is like, yeah, I hate to compare God to a chair. It seems kind of ungodly. But, um, but, you, but, but, you, but you know what I'm going. He doesn't change. He doesn't change whether we love him, whether we respond to him, or whether we run from him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's good because that's who he is. He doesn't have, he doesn't possess goodness. He is good. He is love. He is faithful. Amen. He is, he is trustworthy. I mean, he, he, he's, he's consistent. It's who he is. He doesn't change. But if we want to experience rest and blessing, amen, we, we need to submit 
to his plan. Amen? To, 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 and, and come into, into fellowship with him. He's not going to change for us. But he's all, and he's always open, but we have to come in. And you know what? When we do that, there's rest. Just like when we take him and we sit on the chair, there's rest. You know, we, in Hebrews, it puts it this way. Let's look at this in Hebrews 4. Is this making sense to you? Yeah. Okay, good. Let's look at this in Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. <clears throat> it says, um, verse 6, okay? That since, therefore, it remains... For some to enter, and they to whom it was first preached did not enter due to unbelief. Yet he establishes a certain day, okay? And he's talking about here about people hardening their hearts because they hear his voice in, in verse 7, but they be saying, don't, don't harden your hearts. He says in verse 8, For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have later again, again spoken of another day. He's talking about a Sabbath rest, a rest that only God can give us. See, you can rest from your activities, you can rest on Sunday afternoon after a big lunch. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I get a witness. But, but there's, a, there's a rest that comes from the Lord. There's a rest. It's not a rest from activity. It's a peace, you know, that, that, that dwells in this. And, and, and it says here in verse 11, Hebrews 4, verse 11, Let us labor, therefore, to enter that rest, lest anyone fall by the same pattern of unbelief. Man, there's a lot in this scripture. You know, when, when we are going our own way, when we are not placing the word of God of, of highest importance in our life, those thoughts, those, those negative mindsets that we haven't minded, those maybe traditions, those cultures that have become more important, that way of thinking that has become more important to us than the, than the kingdom principles, will actually form in us a pattern. It won't just be unbelief. It'll become rooted. It'll form a pattern of unbelief, a pattern right? And we need to be careful of these things. And it seems like a bit of an oxymoron. It says we labor to enter rest. But this is the fight. How many of you have ever been believing God for something and you just have to fight to keep your mind stayed on the word of God, right? That's laboring to enter the rest. The fight isn't out here anymore. It's not with giants, physically giants in the land that we've got to clean. You've got to evict the land, okay? The fight now is on the inside, it's between our ears. The fighting that we're doing right now is to keep our mind set in the word of God on kingdom principles and, and renew our mind to what the word of God says. That's the fight we fight. How many of you have ever worried about anything? Okay. Well, the scripture tells you not to worry. Right? That, that we have to labor to enter our rest. Okay. All worry is, is faith in the wrong things. Right? If faith is how we access the promises of God that grace has provided for us, faith is, faith is already in action. We, have the, we are faith experts, okay? We believe Jesus, amen? We receive Jesus. That means we are experts in the faith department. We have the same faith of Jesus, the measure of faith that Jesus has. We have the dead-raising kind of faith on the inside. We don't have a problem in faith, okay? What we're doing sometimes is we're placing that faith that we have, that relationship, that trust and confidence that's supposed to be between, be between us and God, and we're placing it in the things of the world, and it's called worry, Worry and fear is misplaced faith. You understand that? Yeah. Worry, fear, and it's just misplaced faith. It means we're trusting more in the words of man, the traditions of men, than we are in the word of God, and it's making the word of God of none effect. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? So if we have the capacity to worry, it means we have the capacity to operate in faith. Because all we're doing is we're putting faith in the wrong things. So we just take that same mechanism, and those, that worry that goes around and around and around in your mind, 
Even, can you worry and sleep? Can you worry in your sleep? Yeah, you can, right? Those things of the day, they play on your mind when you're sleeping, right? Can you worry while you're working? Yeah? Can you worry while you're eating? Right? Okay, you get the idea, right? You can, that's meditating. We're now meditating. We're letting those worries form a pattern of unbelief. It means we're rehearsing them. We're rehearsing them. And is it, does, does worrying ever make you feel better? No. It doesn't. So why do we do it? Right? We all, we all worry at some point, don't we? But this is the fight. This is where we are laboring to enter the rest of God. We know that he's, he, in Isaiah 26.3, says, He who keeps his mind stayed upon the Lord is kept in perfect peace. Peace is the antidote to worry. Right? You can't, you can't be in fear and faith at the same time. Right? You can't be in peace and worry at the same time. Right? That's a fruit. Peace and faith are a fruit of kingdom thinking. How do you know you're, you have changed, you're, you've renewed your mind to what the Word of God has said in an area? If you have peace in that area. You have ceased to worry. Or you have resisted worry to the point that you're, you're established in the Word of God now. The Word of God, the truth of God's Word. Now, it doesn't mean the worry isn't going to come. I started thinking about this, right? It takes a while to break down old habits, old patterns, right? I used to have a problem when I was a, was, uh, as younger. I, was a, I had a very sarcastic sense of humor, very sarcastic sense of humor. People say it's the lowest sense of wit. The problem is when you're really sarcastic, you don't mean what you say. That's not godly, right? And, but it become a habit. It become a, and I didn't like it about myself. I really didn't like it about myself. So the Lord says, you've developed a habit. Sometimes when you develop a habit, you need to do something physical to break a habit. You can't keep behaving the same way and expecting something to change, right? You can't keep saying the same. That's the definition of insanity, right? You can't, you can't keep saying the same things and expecting different results. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. And so this might sound a little extreme, but the Lord said, he led me to put a rubber band around my wrist. He says, you need to do something that's going to remind you Oh, the, the, you don't want to do that anymore. You need to make a change if you want to see a difference. If you want to change your mindset, you have to make a difference. You have to make a change. Okay. So you to put a rubber band around your wrist, and every time you're sarcastic about something, just twang it on the inside, right on the tender. Man, I tell you what, it wasn't, it wasn't more four or five times. I'm, I'm not done with that. <laughs> done with that, right? Because I had physically <clears throat> broken the habit. And you can, I mean, you know, that's a silly example. There are, there are things, there are, there are habits that are way more ingrained than that. But you get the point. It had, it had become um, a pattern of unbelief for me. And I didn't like it and I wanted to make a change. And so it needed something physical to do that. Let's look at this in um, 2 Corinthians. <clears throat> Pastor, I don't know what time we're supposed to finish. So you're going to have to help me now. What, would, oh, we have a timer. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, Second Corinthians 10, he says um, in verse uh, 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Right? So our battle is not actually in our flesh. It's right up here, okay? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This is really important. To the casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, say every thought, every 
every thought into captivity and to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is complete. Now, there's a lot in that, but what it's talking about, a stronghold is nothing more than a pattern of unbelief that has become established. It is so grounded, it has roots. It has roots. These are those traditions of men that go back through generations. Well, why do, you know, why do you put salt in this dish when you're cooking? Because my grandma always put salt in this dish when I'm cooking. And she always put salt in this dish when she was cooking. And her grandma always put salt in this. Do you like salt? No. But that's what she did, right? Have you tasted it? Does it need salt? I don't know. It's just what we always do. You see, sometimes there are things, there are patterns that we just do because we do, and we just don't even question them, right? It's just, it doesn't necessarily be relevant anymore. But these have become strongholds, ways of thinking. He says, casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We have to bring our imagination into captivity. You know, <clears throat> can I just grab my coffee? It's just there. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. Excuse me. Our imagination is part of our mindset. It's part of our thinking. You know, I gave you the example of, a, of the scary movie. We start using our imagination... And, and we start connecting with that scary movie. You know, your imagination is like a spiritual womb of conception. It conceives things. You know, hope is conceived. Amen? Faith is conceived, and then faith will bring substance to it. Okay? But our imagination will conceive something. And so if we can see it, we can be it. Right? If you can think like a winner, you can win. If you think like a loser, you're going to lose. The world knows this, right? This isn't this. I mean, they, they, motivational speakers know that stuff. But the reason is, you know, I already mentioned this. Isaiah twenty six three, when our mind is stayed on the Lord, it's kept in perfect peace. The word mind there is also the word imagination. When our imaginations are kept on the Lord, we're kept in peace, right? We're kept in peace. Isaiah twenty six three. Now the word peace is shalom. So shalom means way more than just, hey, I'm chilled, I'm rested, okay? There's a lot more in it than this. It's talking about safety, favor, friendship, wholeness, man. It's talking about provision. Everything you're ever going to need is wrapped up in that word peace. It's a powerful force. If you want all of the blessings of God, the safety, the favor, the friendship, the wholeness in every area of your life, it comes by keeping our imagination and our thinking stayed upon the Lord. Stayed upon the Lord. And that's the real fight. And that's the fight that the enemy can't afford that you win. He can't afford to let you win in that area. Because he knows he has no power. He has no power in this life other than fear and deception. And he's going to do his very best to get your imagination, your mindset, your thinking off of anything. You can think, I don't care. He doesn't care what you think about it, but please don't let it be the word of God. Right? That's where the real fight is. And it happens in, in, right in between our ears. It's not with demonic powers in this world. Demonic powers have already been defeated. It happens in our mind. It's not with people. It's it, but it happens in our mind. So I, I want us to really hear this today because I want you to see <clears throat> that God is good. And so what is the answer? How do, how, do we, how do we get through this? Let's look at this real quick, last scripture, and then I'm going to pray for you. <clears throat> This is in Psalm 27. I'm going to look at a different translation here. Psalm 27, verse 13. It says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. 
You know, if some of us have lost heart today because we haven't believed that we'd see the goodness of God, if we want to change that around, you get a rubber bander if you, if you need to, and every time something negative out, comes out your mouth, just twang it. It'll soon change your mind, okay? But he says, uh, uh, if we believe, we have to believe in order to encourage our heart. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 14, wait, this is, this, this is it, this is the answer. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Some of us today need to have our heart strengthened because our mind, our mindset, our thinking, and our imagination has been, it's been rolling around with things that aren't necessarily good, and that's why we become frustrated because we've made the word of God of none effect for the traditions of man. But in order to change that and make that little course correction, that little adjustment, it's right here. Let's choose to believe today. Say, I believe, I believe. in the goodness of God. Goodness of God. Amen. Amen. Okay, look, the, the, with the word wait here, wait on the Lord. You know the word wait? It is actually, it's talking about patience, but it's talking about patient expectation. That means to look forward with good. To believe for good, to look forward with good, to expect good things, to speak about you, what God says about you. Amen? It says, be of good courage. Courage, another word for courage here, yes, it's strength, but it's talking about consistency. Consistency. Not just one time, but be, speak consistently about the goodness of God. Speak consistently about the goodness of God. Speak consistently about good expectation. Expecting good things. We're not waiting, hoping God might show up. We are expecting the goodness of God to manifest in our life. Amen. And the result of that is He's going to strengthen our heart. Amen. Can I pray for you real quick? Is that all right? Did you get something good? All right. Amen. Stand up for me. Stand up for me right now. If you have a prayer language, just, just use it right now. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you are good, that you are good all the time. You don't just visit there, Lord, but you are consistently good and that you have good things for us. And right now in the name of Jesus, I want to take authority. I want to take authority over the lies of the enemy, over the lies of the enemy. We silence the noise. We silence the voice of the, from the enemy camp right now in Jesus' name. We take authority over the lies of the enemy. We condemn them with our tongue. We say, you're a liar and you're going to go back to the pit which you came from. We condemn those lies in Jesus' name. Right now, we call null and void the negative reports. The negative reports, the negative, we, we, we cast them down. They have no power over us. We declare right now that we are the righteousness of God in Christ, that we are new creations, accepted in the beloved, above the circumstances and not beneath them. Lord, we thank you that everything that we touch prospers, that we have no lack, that we have an abundance for every good work. Lord, we thank you. No sickness and no disease can stay in our bodies and live. It has no rights. It has no rights. So right now, we command all sickness, all disease, all symptoms to leave right now. I take authority over flu-like symptoms, over germs, 
over viruses, over bacteria that's tried to attach to somebody's body. We say, you will not prosper in this flesh. You will not prosper in this body. You have no rights. We take authority over pain, over pain right now. We uproot pain from bodies. We uproot pain from bodies. We command it to leave, to leave now. Thank you, Jesus. I break the bondage of fear. I break the bondage of fear and anxiety and depression. The lie of fear and depression and anxiety right now. Right now. And we declare over you. I declare over you the perfect love that surpasses all understanding. Surpasses all human reasoning. To fill your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace to your flesh. Peace to your family. Peace to your children. Peace to your loved ones that have gone astray. Peace to those that are a long way off. Father, I thank you. I believe there are people in here. You have relatives in in other places and they're not following God. They're following false idols. They're worshipping false idols and false power. But right now, we just speak around them. The laborers. Even though they're far from us, we call laborers to come across their path that they might hear the gospel, that they might hear the gospel. We blind their eyes to the gods of this world and we open their eyes to the spiritual reality, to God, to you, to the real Father, to Jesus. Lord, I thank you. Give them ears to hear what your people are telling them. Holy Spirit, I thank you for bringing back to their remembrance scriptures that you have spoken about them in your prayers. I hear the Lord say, your prayers avail much. They avail much. Your prayers are keeping your relatives in protected. They are casting down, they are placing a physical hedge of protection around those people. You might not see the results, but the results are happening. They're happening. They're happening. There's life and power in your tongue. And the de- you got the... T- oh, thank you, Jesus. He says, you have the devil running scared. You have the devil running scared. Don't believe his press. Don't listen to the doubt. Stop answering the call when doubt rings. Stop answering the call when doubt rings. You are women and men of faith and power. Of faith and power. Thank you, Jesus. We believe and we receive everything your word says we can have. We have it in the name of Jesus. We can do everything that you've called us to do. We have strength for everything you've called us to do. We have, we have resources for everything that you've called us to do. We thank you, Lord, for favor. For favor. Thank you. We have favor with God. Favor with man. Good opportunities. Good understanding. Right now, we call forth the favor and the provision that you have laid up for us to overflow in abundance in our life. For doors of new opportunities. Lord, we thank you for witty inventions. For new ways of doing stuff. For answers to everyone else's problems. Thank you, Lord, that difficult things are easy for us. They're easy for us. We have the mind of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. For Somebody's applied for a position recently and the Lord says, you have favor. You have favor. You have favor. He's going to position you in jobs that you aren't even qualified for because you have favor. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen and amen. And all the people said, amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, 
visit faithhill.tv today. <laughs>